Hey, Elim Northampton, it is such a joy to be able to speak to you this morning. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Jason and I'm married to Emily and we have a gorgeous five-month-old daughter named Noah. Now, before we go anywhere, let me just clear the air. I did say daughter and I did say Noah, N-O-A-H. Um, we weren't just trying to be cool or quirky. It's in the Bible, Numbers 26. You can look it up in your own time. Incredible story of a woman and her sisters seeking justice. But I'll stop there because I can rant on about that forever. Now, today I'm not speaking to you as a guest. Uh, I'd like to think I'm speaking to you more as a resident because Northampton is my home church. It's where I met my wife. It's where we got married. Uh, it's where I preached my first sermon. And so you know when you go to somebody's house and you're a guest and it's fairly new and you're polite and calm and collected and for some reason a lot of us Brits have this thing that when someone offers you a drink, no matter how thirsty you are, you go, oh no, I'm fine, thank you very much. Uh, none of that. Hopefully today we can just skip past the niceties and uh, jump straight in. And we're going to begin a conversation because we're starting a new campaign called The Greatest Gift. Yes, it is that time of year again. And I don't know what your year has been like, but this year I am embracing Christmas with open arms. Usually, I'm a bit of a Scrooge, uh, a bit of a Grinch. I don't like to put the Christmas tree up until the 24th of December. Uh, but this year, our Christmas tree has been up for like three weeks already. You know, it's that time of the year where you get to spend all day in your pyjamas. You, you probably eat a little bit more than you probably should. Uh, there's queues outside all the shops. Wait, that's, it's been like that since March. Needless to say, for want of a better word, this year has been pretty unusual and so now more than ever if we the church that's his people just fix our eyes on the greatest gift that is Jesus then maybe this year we'll be able to show the world the greatest present. If you've got a bible would you open it to Acts chapter 3 but also John chapter 1. Um, I'm hoping this morning that we're going to discover the moment that the greatest gift was given but also a time when the greatest gift was in action. A few Christmases ago uh, we got an Amazon Alexa for Christmas. Now I'm sorry if I've just set off all your devices, I I'll call her she who must not be named from now on. Uh, but the moment we opened that uh, I learned that there are two types of people in the world. There are those who read manuals and then there are those who don't. In other words, there are people who take the time and the patience to painstakingly read through all the manuals, each page, trying to find the potential that this device can accomplish. And then there are those who just discard it and think they can do it by themselves. Well, it's always those who throw the manual away, who come running to the people who read the manual. And so it's always good not just to receive a gift, but to see it in practice, to learn how it's supposed to be used. And I believe in these two passages, both including John, one of Jesus' disciples, shows us that very thing. We are reading from John's Gospel. Now John is a follower of Jesus, he's a student, a disciple, but more than that, he is a friend of Jesus. But also, John was one of the leaders of the early church, the years after Jesus had ascended to heaven. So not only has John walked and talked with Jesus, he's seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle, he has also lived in the time afterwards where he's seen his followers perform miracles in his name. John has seen the source and he's also seen the gift being in use. So we read John chapter 1 
verse 1 to 5, and then we'll jump down to verse 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then we'll jump down to verse 14, and it says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, Jesus, who was fully God and with God in the beginning, became fully man and dwelt among us. I love what John has done here. John has essentially uh, just taken the whole Christmas story and encapsulated it into these few verses. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That is some incredible storytelling there. But what's even more incredible is that it's not just a good story, it's a true story. I've always been fascinated by the, the art of storytelling and one of, my, one of my favorite screenwriters of all time is a guy called Andrew Stranton. Now you may never have heard of him, but I'm sure you've seen some of his work. Uh, Toy Story, uh, A Bug's Life, uh, Finding Nemo, and, and many more. Now he said this quote, which I found really interesting. He said, the best stories are the ones that confirm or deepen our understanding of what it means to be human. Stories unite us, they bring us together. We get an affirmation of what it means to be human. Stories are powerful. Now, if you were to take just the Christmas story out of the whole of Christianity, it's sort of like watching Star Wars Episode Four. Now, back in 1977, I believe that's when the first Star Wars was released, but George Lucas decided to start with episode four. In other words, the whole backstory, now don't get me started on those first three films, we know they're not as good, but there's a whole backstory to the whole story of Star Wars that you don't know when you started episode four. It's like that with Christmas and the message of the church. When we just, t when we just tell the nativity story, it's not telling the full story. And so we jump in to see John's account now, as most of us will know, there are four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Mark was like a bit of a Jack Russell. He just wanted to go straight to the point, and so he skipped the birth of Jesus altogether. Luke and Matthew, they're a little bit more logical in their thinking, and so that's where we get most of our account of the birth of Jesus, the nativity story as we know it. Now, John, John is a little bit weird. You know, we've all got that weird member of the family, especially at Christmas time that we have to deal with. But he's a little bit more existential. So he uses analogies like the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But what's really important is John communicates a truth which is so powerful. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning. John is saying that Jesus has always existed. Don't miss this. This is important. Jesus didn't simply come into existence at his birth, but he always was and always is. He is fully God 
and fully man. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. This isn't once upon a time. This is a specific time and place. It's not a land far, far away. This is on our planet. The story of Jesus isn't a fairy tale. It's not a kid's story. It's not make up. It's not made up. And John is trying to tell us that there is something more powerful at play than a simple baby in a manger. See, John is suggesting to us that Jesus has no beginning. He always was and he always is and he always will be. Jesus, he's saying here, is eternal. In just that one short phrase, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. It's both the Alpha and the Omega. It's not simply a baby born in a manger, but a God stepping in to our time. Now, what's all this about the word? And when you think about it, what, what is a word? A word is something that we ascribe to give expression to something. And that is what John is doing right here. Jesus is the expression of the invisible God. In other words, he is the word. He is the expression of God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made was made. Now you see, the Bible teaches us clearly that God is the... You see, the Bible tells me that in the beginning, God created the universe. He's the inventor of the atom, the designer of quantum physics. He's the one who crafted our solar system so intricately that our planet is at the right axis, at the right rotation, at the right speed, at the right distance from the sun in order to sustain life. But finally, to adorn his creation, he wanted to create something to be the product of his affection, the recipient of his love. And so he created mankind. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made was made. Look at this next verse. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, this is the punchline. This is where John is telling us that the greatest gift available to us is the person of Jesus. It says, in him was life and the life was the light of mankind when you invite Jesus into your life you're accepting that gift of life in Jesus and if you've not yet become a follower of Jesus then now there is no better time there is so much information out there to help you and guide you to make that decision but you have to remember as well that John is writing these words not as he's experiencing it in the moment after having experienced it for many years. John has walked with Jesus, but he's also walked with leading the church when Jesus had ascended. And so John is writing these verses almost retrospectively and saying, in him was life. I think it's pretty safe to say that John had accepted the gift of Jesus. But let's have a quick look at Acts chapter 3 to see that gift in action. We find ourselves in the beginning of the early church. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a great sermon. 3,000 people get saved and uh, they're meeting in the temple daily. And here we find Peter and John 
followers, disciples, students of Jesus, leaders in the early church. And this is one of the first miracles that they perform after Jesus had ascended to heaven. Let's read it in Acts 3, 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So essentially what we see is Peter and John making their way to the temple as was their custom. According to Acts 2, they were doing this every day. And so I don't think this was maybe the first time that they walked past this man who was lame. But for some reason, today was the day that he caught their attention. And he asked them for money. Now, Peter and John, having given all their money to the church, they said, look at us, we don't have anything. But what I have, I give to you. Now, it's really important to recognise that in this moment, Peter is talking to this man and John is sat there watching. He's with Peter, but Peter is the one who is talking. And John is witnessing one of the first miracles after Jesus had ascended to heaven. In other words, this is the first time that they have healed in the name of Jesus without Jesus being on the earth. Peter said to him, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Could it be that John is seeing this moment and recognising that the gift that he has received isn't simply for him, but is destined to be for others? But now we turn our attention to the beggar. The Bible tells us that he was born into brokenness. He was born unable to walk. Therefore, he was unable to provide himself work, provide himself a living. He had to be carried to places and has now resorted to a life of begging. And to make things worse, according to the Levitical law at the time, he was unable to enter into the temple courts. That's why we find him at the gate. The beautiful gate, which would have been made out of gold and adorned with jewels, now acts as a threshold for this man that he cannot pass to enter into the courts of the temple. Where on the other side, Acts chapter 2 tells us there were 3,000 new believers that were now meeting there daily in their newfound faith following the way of Jesus. Yet on the other side is a man who was stuck in his brokenness. He's seen as unclean. He's unworthy to enter in 
to the presence. And I can imagine as he is carried there day after day after day, he can only wonder what it's like on the other side of the temple walls. He can only wonder what all these religious leaders and these religious followers are doing on the other side. Because he's not allowed to go and he can't get there by himself. And even to the spot he's begging in, he is being carried there. It's not unbelievable to think that he's seen Peter and John before. This is this guy's day job. He's been there day after day. And Peter and John were regulars at the temple. And so I can imagine as the beggar is sitting there, as he's looking up at the beautiful gate, this thing beautiful made out of gold and jewels, thinking maybe that's my way out. My temporary relief is to get some money. And so he begs. And you can imagine it, can't you? Peter and John just on their daily route to the temple. And they see this man who for this time grabs their attention. Please, sir, have you got any spare change? I can't imagine what's going on in that beggar's mind. I'm sure he's said this countless time and time again, and I'm sure he's got used to rejection. And so why should he expect anything different? Maybe he's even heard of Peter and John. Maybe they're getting a name for themselves now. Oh, you know, they're the followers of Jesus. Peter is preaching and thousands are becoming followers of the way. Maybe he sees them coming. But in this moment, it's almost as if the Spirit of God comes upon Peter and gives him faith to heal the man. Because it's Peter's faith. It's Peter's gift to offer. And so Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. And in that moment, as the beggar feels the strength go to his feet and he lifts out of his brokenness. Where does he go? The first place he goes is into the temple court. See, the same is true of you and me as before Jesus, we are living and stuck in our brokenness. But when we invite Jesus into our life, we are able to enter into his courts. We are, enter, we are able to enter into his presence. We're no longer unworthy or unclean, but we are accepted and chosen and called. See, the God of the universe who put every star in its position has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And that is the greatest gift. And my question to you, if you're a follower of Jesus today, is who are you offering this gift to? Are you being like Peter and John who are saying, do you know what? I might not have other things, but what I do have. But in other words, the greatest gift I have, I'm going to make it available to those around me. Those who need Jesus this year, this Christmas, I'm going to use the opportunity to share my faith with them. Or maybe you sit in the position of the beggar where you're in a place where you feel unclean or unworthy. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. Well, now is the best opportunity that you'll ever face. There'll be some online pastors in the chat that would love to have a chat with you and introduce you to the person of Jesus, the greatest gift. 
Why don't we pray? Father God, I want to thank you that you have made available to us the most amazing, the most incredible gift of Jesus, the person, your son. And God, I want to thank you that the new life that we can find in him is the best gift, better than anything else that we'll receive this year. But God, I also pray for those people who are caught in brokenness, the people who are onlookers into our lives that see us as those religious people going into the temple day in and day out. Father, would you give us the faith and the boldness to speak to them and to tell them about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.